Here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Crew Shaken, a Warhammer 40,000 tabletop wargaming podcast recorded all over the east coast of the continental United States of America tonight because we're in different places, same time zones. As always, I'm your host, Tim, and I'm joined by my friends, Lavelle and Carlo. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hey, guys. So it's been a while since we've last recorded. I have spoken with you both several times since our last session, but this is the first time that we were all able to converge in the warp together to get this thing uh, rolling once again. It's been a really crazy time. We thought that uh, COVID lockdown would mean we could make shorter episodes more frequently, but uh, life uh, moving as it does and business going the way that it does in unpredictable fashions uh, has forced us to take a little bit of a hiatus uh, since right before the launch of ninth edition of Warhammer 40k. But here we are. We're back. We've got a great episode for you today. It'll be a, a, about an hour long because we're all working on other stuff at the same time here. Um, I'll start us off by asking the first question regarding hobby progress. Lavelle, with regards to your hobbying, we had all thought that, you know, COVID-19 was going to be this hobby boon, right? Like, I'll be able to paint all my armies. I'll be able to get all these books read and all this stuff. How has it worked out so far? So I'm still in a collecting mode. I'm getting ready to start um, assembling and get my Necrons painted. I know, I know our listeners are probably thinking, didn't he already have like 16,000 paint <laughs> How many Necrons? more points of Necrons does a man need? And to you, I would say, mind your business. <laughs> Get out of my basement. So I have made uh, quite a few Necron purchases. I am liking the new edition. I am liking the new Codex. Um, everything about it. And I would, I had, I went into this thinking, well, I, I don't really need any more Necrons. But I ended up buying, and I'm going to just say it. I ended up buying seven Indominus. Spock sets. And I am very pleased with that purchase. And on top of that, those seven box, I purchased the Silent King, I purchased the Void Dragon, three of the Locust Heavy Destroyers, three of the big heavy walkers. Yeah, and I would tell you, the Necron, the new Necron army is so versatile that you can play in so many different ways and i'm exploring that and a lot of things that's in the new codex on our next episode i'd like to do a focus specifically on the necron codex so that people can know what's going on but I, i'm very pleased with what they did with the necron range and what they did with the necron army and all of you poses that are jumping on necrons now get out of here hey uh, real quick um i thought your fragmentation issue is with your wi-fi but now i just realized it's because you're now a necron <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is the wi-fi I is have... fine it's just the gauss <laughs> engines in the background <laughs> yeah if you look it's like he's got four bars over there but you know his eyes were a little bit green i saw coming through i have also been playing almost all of my ninth edition games have been exclusively with my admech army which has been really, really, really good this edition. I've been playing Admic almost exclusively, and I have not yet begun painting my sisters of uh, or assembling 
my sisters of battle, but I did get the last three emulators that I need. So Lavelle, I feel like some of your purchases, as all of us do, right? You, you are a Necron collector, right? It's not like you're buying stuff just to build a very specific thing, right? You just, you want all the things because you like to have different things to pull from, right? And I, you know, we'll talk about this more next episode when we get into the Necron Codex, but right off the jump, getting that many Indominus boxes, what was your logic? What were you most excited about as both a collector and as a player to get all that just initial stuff? So net, net, all of those Indominus, it was just an incredible value. So for example, I now have, uh, I think 21 Scorpec Destroyers, which really pretty much gives me three full units of Scorpec Destroyers, so that's which max. they that's haven't put out max. yet. Three units max, which would have been very hard. But the number of warriors that I got and all set across the board, still an incredible value over buying the warriors. Now, I have plenty of the traditional warriors, but I do like the new weapons on this build out here. So that was that. And I have a bunch of uh, characters that I would not duplicate. And I've actually been trading them out to people who say, hey, I need... I need a new um, Plasmancer. Does anybody? Oh, and I, I've just been helping people fill out their collections with those extras. But I, I would say this: so because uh, Space Wolves is getting ready to come out, and Justin is still talking trash, my son Justin. But one of the things that I would say is, I have a Sisters of Battle army. I have a Imperial Knights army. I have an Imperial Guard army. I have a um, Admech army right now. But oh, custodies. I have custodies on <laughs> right. But right now, custodies and necrons are the forces that I have where I could build any army I want to play with. So if you ask me, I'm 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 a custodies player and a necron player. Those but are, I have a couple of armies that I can play. But those that's the player I am. Those are you. Those are your biggest bags of tricks right now, which is a, that's correct. Like that's a good way to collect and, and buy over a long period of time, like you've been. Right. Yeah, yeah. So now, if you go to a tournament or if you go to a play day or anything like that, one of the things you'll see is there are a lot of Necron players. And I like whenever I go out to play, I like to have diversity. And so I already already know right now a lot of Necron players are just going to show up. So right now I'm taking out my my um, ad mech, which I really enjoy. Carlo, what about you? A hobby in the quarantine pandemic world. So um, for a while, I was really out of it when it came to 40K. I really hadn't invested any time. Um, but uh, recently I did get a before the the like uh, resurgence this fall, like kind of like last month, I had gotten a social distancing game in with Sasha and I played I think it was 1250, 1250 points Space Wolves versus Tyranids. And it was a really great game. I love the new scoring system. Um, the the points with the secondaries, you can easily get it's like 60 to 80 points a game, 90 points a game, something like that. Um, and it felt very close. Uh, the only thing I really didn't get to test out was the... Uh, I didn't get to test out any of the new terrain rules really in terms of line of sight because we were both playing close combat armies so that was one thing i was looking forward to and i was like okay <laughs> i think i had like i'm trying to think only my aggressors had shooting really so i really didn't get to encounter that too much 
Um, what about, did you guys get any, any games in on like a TTS or any social distance games in or anything like that? I got some social distance games in. I haven't played any on a TTS and I have to say, um, if you have not played yet and you, you intend to play one of the things that I would tell you is just pause and really study the secondaries. Um, the proper selection of a secondary can make or break a game. I played one game where I ended up with two models left on the board and I lost by only five points because I was really working the secondaries. So um, it, it is, if you have not played, I'm going to warn you now, it is a different game and it is fun. And you can play a game where your models are being shot off the board, but you can still be in the hunt. Yeah, I think uh, I actually had almost tabled Sasha or even tabled him by the end of the game, but I still he still beat me by like 15 points, I think. So it was it, the game felt and it's only one game, so it's hard for me to judge the new system, but it felt super close the whole time. And um, I'd love to get another game in, but that's unfortunately that's my only game in ninth edition so far. Um, there is, uh, I think, I think I've seen a few tournaments popping up now. People are starting to play a little bit more. Um, so we'll see, you know, hopefully this thing comes to an end and we're all hoping that, you know, very soon so we can get back into our hobby. Um, I really feel bad for the, the conventions that we've all been missing out on. I mean, we missed out on Nova yeah. this year, which is a huge loss. We missed out on, uh, like packs, I think just announced that they're not having packs unplugged this year in person. Uh, they're not running that. Um, yep. I don't know if uh, Gen Con, the Gen Gen Con, they canceled too as well, right? I'm imagining. Is that did that fall on this good window? That's so, correct. Yep. Yep. It did. Um, it did. Yeah. So you know, hopefully uh, we can uh, recover from this and next year get have some fun again. <laughs> but uh, you know. I have been, uh, in the meantime, my other hobby progress is I built this new PC that I'm using to record right now with, uh, with you guys. Um, that was my hobby progress for the last month was, uh, I took a weekend. I bought all new, uh, I bought, you know, a whole bunch of parts and built a PC for the first time. So, uh, it's got like 16 gigs of RAM, which is, I guess, modest nowadays. Most builds are looking for like 32, so I might put a couple more sticks in. Um, I've got a 1660 Ti graphics card, uh, an Asus motherboard, uh, AMD Ryzen uh, processor. So this thing's cooking right now. I'm getting some games in. I downloaded TTS. That looks so much better compared to the little crappy laptop I was running it on before. So maybe we can get some... Uh, Blackstone Fortress games in soon. I was hoping for. I would love that. Yeah, Carlo, what what monitor did you get? I have an AOC uh, 144 megahertz 1080p monitor. I don't know the exact number. It's like C four three one. Yeah, the, like mo the like monitor that. names are stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how how, how large a, is the display? Uh, it's twenty four inches. Nice uh, cool. curved. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's all about the curved display. Once 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 I went curved, it's like I can't. Oh, yeah. I can really have a hard time on a flat monitor nowadays. Well, I got lucky because uh, I've been doing a bunch of stuff at work where they have this new system where you get points 
people kind of like kind of like see if you've done something out of your job description and like submit like a like a thank you that you get points for and then yeah it's like really odd for a company to do something like this but you know <laughs> uh it's great so i was able to kind of get my monitor with those points so i didn't have to fork up cash for that one so it was a good i i actually made out like a bandit on this build a little bit uh, amazing and this was your first build which is really good so what so you know i, I built a bunch of pcs over the years and there's always like a couple of things that go wrong, you know? So what were some things that went wrong as you were putting this thing together or did it fire up the first time and work perfectly? Um, so I was surprised to have it fire up the first time, but I knew that um, there would be issues. Yeah. <laughs> I was very careful as to not make um, those mistakes. And I've been doing research um, for the last couple of years because i knew i was going to build one i wanted to be very careful so i made sure not to screw up my you know like i was very careful putting the cpu in i didn't want to bend any uh pins i made sure to you know the um heat sinks all come with thermal paste on them now so i didn't have to actually put any on there it just came with it on there so and i'm not overclocking so i don't need like an, an additional dab on there or anything but um uh, I'd say the biggest issue I had was <laughs> my uh, my tower, the screws that come to, to attach the motherboard to the tower. At first, I thought I didn't have them. So I was I was like putting my my uh, CPU in on my motherboard. I put some stuff in. And I went to go connect, hook it into the tower and I couldn't find them. And I was freaking out and I was like, oh, I got to call Micro Center. They didn't give me my my hardware. And then I took the backing off and there's a cardboard box in one of the hard drive bays <laughs> that I wouldn't have ever looked in there because I brought an M.2 har um, hard drive, you know, <laughs> so, but I, f I found them in there after like, you know, I had given up on building it for the night and I went back, I was like, ah, crap. <laughs> and then, um, Tuck, tucked away, tucked away, very ergonomically. Yeah. And then, uh, I ended up, uh, you know, after I'd built the whole thing and made sure that it worked, I had to take everything back apart to do my cable management. So that was a bit of a time waster. And like the build guide I was following online recommended that you did it that way. But mm. um, I think, it, you know, if I were to do it again, I'd probably just do it all like as I was going, you know, because I feel like mm -hmm. if I got if I have an issue and it doesn't start up, I'm going to take it apart anyway. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, right on. Well, good. Congratulations. That is, that's a good process to go through. Lavelle? Hey, Tim, let me go back. There's one big piece that I left What's off that? that I've done, and I used all of my downtime to do this. This is a big deal here, guys. I built two gaming tables. What? Right. So I had looking online. Don't, right? you, already have a, looking don't online. you already have a number of gaming tables, Lavelle? Tim, I thought I asked you to mind oh, your business. He's <laughs> opening like stay, a Warhammer casino. I'm, I'm going to stay in my lane. <laughs> no, let me just tell you something. One table, right, is a six by four, right? To build that table, all in cost me about $95. That's not bad. Listen, and so then uh, that table is about a little less than four feet off the ground. Then I built another table that's like eight by six. That's about, I'm going to say, maybe four and a half feet off the ground. And I got a drafting chair. 
you know, a draft this year. And I haven't put a top on that table yet. And that table, because I have some really big solo games. So like Nemesis, I play so and, and so that table is for the really big games. But what had been going so on? If it's, go ahead. If it has no top on it, isn't it just four legs standing freestanding then? Actually, it is <laughs> it is like a wooden cage with a shelf. Ah, okay. Right. So the first table is a wooden cage with a shelf, and it has two it has three two by four or four by twos on it to flat to give me the whole table. But this table, after I built it, it was so sturdy. I decided I'm going to look for a used piece of granite. Oh, and, and, and I'm yes. But now listen, here's the thing. I've been going around. It was so cheap to do. It was so cheap. I was dragging my daughter to Lowe's just experimenting with brackets. I needed to buy eight brackets and a couple of pieces of wood and screws. And it, uh, I was surprised. My, my son called me a quack. But after, after it came together, it's really, really good. Because in my basement, as you might imagine, there's stuff everywhere. And I've created some table space, that's my objective, with shelves for everything that's, that goes underneath it. So I'll keep you posted on that. I'll keep you posted on that. So the whole that. idea of having I, a I, dedicated solo gaming table is kind of amazing. That way you never have to put that game away. Like while you're playing it, it's like to completion. That's wonderful, about Bingo. Wow. Bingo. Mind blown right here from somebody who does like to play a big solo board game by himself. Jeez. Right. Now, admittedly, admittedly, I have the space in my basement for it. I have the space in my basement. And it allows me, because that's what I started doing. I started reorganizing, because, you know, I got a bunch of times. And I reorganized all my board games. And that's when I realized that maybe I have a problem. But I, I've got, you know, like cubbies. I found them cheap. I've got like, I'm going to say close to, let's see, 12, I don't know, 16, 16, 16, 48 cubbies, all filled with board games. But the table space, the table really, because I was looking at some tables and I was looking at game stores and I said, yeah, what's this cost? What's this cost? And the more I thought about it, the more I said, oh, okay, all right, I think I can do this with a couple of brackets. And it really surprised me how one, the, the, the I got the wood in the brackets from um, Home Depot, and I'm a lousy cutter, and I'm not too great at measuring. Ask me about being kicked out of architecture school later. And so, but when I was when I did it, I did the prep work all in one morning, and then I assembled it all, and the whole thing all in maybe took me a com- combined total of an hour and a half. That's, I'll shoot you guys. Some yeah, I'd love to see the pictures. Yeah, that's that's it's challenging right. to, to do any kind of carpentry work. That's really good. Harry, um, right? That but you know, when table's going to be heavy ahead. as hell. I'm imagining, right? Or is it like? So listen, I understand what you're thinking, but you, I, the granite table will be heavy. But um, once you put it in place, I would have movers move the granite in, and I got a big enough basement door for them to get it in. And when I move, move it out. But once they put it on top of there, the granite table will not move. And you'll get a couple, you'll, you'll, it'll be easier for a bunch of things because on top of that table, I'm going to also put, I'm going to be playing with a, uh, you know, like a neoprene game mat. That's what's going to be there. But, you know, I'm thinking granite table, but I also might be able to get one of the artificial like granite tables. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. And, and when, yeah. Yep. Something. All I need is the measurements. Say, hey, what do you got? 
Mm -hmm. It don't have to be pretty. Cheapest thing, drop it down there. But Tim hit the hit. When some some solo games, you really want to take your time through. I just got a, not Edge of Darkness. Um, um, I can't remember the solo game that I just got off of Kickstarter that just delivered. But, you know, some of these games you don't want to put down. And I also bought a game called War Room, um, which is excellent, but it's huge. But now I can play it all there. It's so huge. They give you the little military things to move the pieces around the map. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to keep you posted on the table because I was surprised, you know, the brackets, I, I would buy four by four pieces like a fence post. And I just buy four of those and have them cut them. Right. And then I have these brackets that, that it slides onto the four by four and you get a two by four and it creates the frame. Yeah, it came Smart. out really, like really that. nice. Because yeah. one of the you know one of the biggest deals of playing a big quality board game, of course, is the space it takes up, the time it takes to put it away, the time it takes to put back on the table, the time it takes to notate like where you left off. If if it's kind of like an episodic or a character building style game, you know that's all part of the thing. So to have a place to just leave it is kind of a that's a big deal. I'm gonna steal that idea. I like that. Do it, yeah. Um, my only uh, my only building anything progress was I put some insulation in the attic yesterday and the day before, um, and you know tried to cut it very evenly, but it gets hot up there, and I hate wearing that mask. Like while I have glasses on, it's getting all foggy and weird up there. So I just wound up like tearing into these pieces of insulation and like stuffing them in the corners where they were needed. It's not my proudest work up there, but nobody will ever see it, but except for me. So I'm kind of into it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for other other hobby progress up for myself, I have been playing a bunch of um, Blackstone Fortress on Tabletop Simulator. That's been great fun. Um, the which has inspired me to I took a couple of weeks off from painting. I hadn't painted anything uh, for most of August really, and then I got uh, got the bug again. So I went into the studio and started uh, cranking out my Blackstone Fortress models, my real life models, which may never see the light of day. But, you know, I'm a completionist and it has been bothering me that I have uh, unfinished, un, you know, uh, built, primed, but unpainted minis in these boxes in my basement. Um, I did get a new shelf, too. I did put together a new shelf for storage of things. So now I have all my gaming books on one system of shelves and then all my gaming stuff on another system, which I'm kind of into does make it easy to keep it organized and to uh to buy and sell stuff because i've been buying and selling some books on ebay so it's been nice to have it kind of set up like my little ebay store down there tim let me tell you about your blackstone fortress miniatures don't sleep on those miniatures being good in 40k there is a um a ad mech piece called daedalus and I've been playing with him in my 40k army. Oh wow, cool! Yes, and it's real—he's really, really useful. He gives some really good buffs. So the next set that I'm going to paint is the um, Rogue Trader Kill Team set, which you can also use those minis in 40k as well. So I think I might put together like a really strange all board game army of just like all the random stuff that comes with Blacks and Fortress and comes with the uh, Kill Team Rogue Trader box because I've never seen anybody use that stuff before. Um, which circles back to the kind of the purpose of our episode today. We only have another half hour to record. So I just wanted to get some early reflections. Well, early for us, reflections on what Ninth Edition has been all about so far in our gaming. Um, I've gotten in two uh, socially distanced games. Both are smaller. So we played on the smallest possible table size, which I thought was awesome. 
because it felt we were engaged instantly. Uh, we were in each other's faces instantly. So let's just get some early uh, early thoughts on the first couple of games of 40K that we have had. Um, Lavelle, why don't you start us off? Let's start with a count. Let's say how many games that we played. I played nine games. Oh, no. I've got two. Carly, I think you – okay, one. Okay. Um, so why don't we start with Carlo then? It has yeah, just yep, one yep. game. Yeah. So, Carlo, impressions of, of ninth edition versus eighth. Um, I mean, basically what I said before, I loved uh, how close it felt. Um, it def- I love the CP generation turn to turn. I know a lot of people like that. Uh, it felt like, you know, I think in eighth, you kind of blew your load like the first couple turns. And then it felt like you didn't have anything for the rest of the game. So the CP generation kind of keeps everybody on their toes where uh, before an eighth, you could pretty much, if ever, if someone used all their CP, you could pretty much count on them not being able to retaliate, you know, maybe with a, a, um, a two CP interrupt stratagem or something like that. But uh, for space wolves, it works out really nicely for me because I was able to use lone wolf late in the game. They get a, like create a character out of a, an intercessor and have him hold an objective a little bit longer, you know? Um, I like the character targeting rules. I think that's really solid because you need to have some guys around to protect your characters and it kind of encourages some infantry play. Um, I really enjoyed, like you said, being up in your opponent's face turn one, two at the latest. You know, I played on, I don't know if it was the smallest board size. It might have been the second to smallest board size. It certainly wasn't the 2000 point uh, board size, but um, we got into close combat pretty quickly. And, you know, I think a lot of the changes they're making are good. Um, I played when Storm Shields weren't a four up yet. Like now they're plus one to armor save. And um, I think you get like a four up invol. Yeah. So. Um, they're pretty solid uh, with the three up still. So I think they're almost a little too good when I played the Wolf in. I know that they got nerfed recently. So I'm interested to see the Space Wolf updates. Um, I'm interested to play with my Tau a little bit. I know they changed radically. Um, so I know like all the armies are going to feel quite a bit different from what they felt like in eighth, which I think is a good thing. Um, we certainly don't want to keep playing the same game uh exactly you know that's a benefit of having the addition changes is that we get to experience something new every couple of years um so i think i think it's going to be you know i think it's one of those things where the the problem right now for me is that you know we just haven't gotten a lot of um time on the table with it so um i'd love to maybe you know get some more games in maybe we can get some tts games in although that's not my favorite format you know it's better than nothing and uh yeah, I don't know. What are your guys' opinions? Let me let me let me let me let me circle back to Carlos' games real quick, Lavelle. So one second. Um, let's talk about Overwatch in your games versus Tyranid, the Tyranids. Yeah, so I think the Overwatch now requires a stratagem to use, right? Yeah. So I didn't use it at all. I don't think the whole game. Wow. Yeah, because you know I want to be in combat, um, yeah. and most of the time. I won most of the interactions in close combat. Hmm. Um, the only thing, like, Sasha had a few very tough characters that kind of swung the game for him. So it is a little bit like, 
it felt like the characters did do a lot individually whereas in eighth i felt like you use the characters more for their buffs they didn't really swing that hard and i could be wrong it's dependent on each army right but i feel like in the game that we played the characters on both sides did a lot by themselves they were very good in combat um individually so um my wolf lord like was like a freaking tank he was just taking it all game and then finally died on the last turn but uh and one of his big uh, monstrous creatures was just like like going from fight to fight mopping stuff up so it was pretty intense it was a great game um and the secondaries like lavelle said before the secondaries are very tricky and you can only choose one from each category now you choose three and i think there's four or five categories i don't have that little rule book on me but uh i think it's a minotaurum rule book right um that came out yeah with. it is it's the first yeah, one so. well I think they might be in the in the main rule book too. Oh yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure because I've been using that little book. But I, Carl, I need to ask you sure. a question. Talk to me about because I'm 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 still struggling with this interaction, and I haven't used it in my. I played a um, a custodian's army, and I was a little confused by it. So let's talk about storm shields. A yeah. Bit. So storm shields improve your regular save by right. one. And it gives you a four up and vulnerable save. Yep. Now they do. Yep. Okay. So how does that interaction work if I have that storm shield on a custodian? So the custodian guard has a save of two plus. He has a storm shield. So does it just negate a minus one to the AP? I think now, and I'm no expert on the rules currently uh, because I just haven't had the practice, but... It's my understanding that modifiers resolve at only a minus one or plus one. Is that correct? Or is that just for the two no. hit modifiers? No, no, that's just to okay, hit. So that's just to hit, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's so just yeah, to hit. I think your your armor save I think a one always fails still. So yeah, you would just negate a minus one. So if somebody shot you with an AP one weapon your armor would still be a two up, right? If they shot you with a, a okay. an AP minus two, you'd be a three up, you know? Um, and anything beyond a minus two, mm-hmm. you're, you're stuck. You're not going to degrade beyond a right, four Right, because you have your invul. So. so now the question that I kept asking is, on a custodian guard who in a, a Battleforged army is walking up or walking around with a four up, is there still value on the storm shield? He's walking around with a four up invul already. You're asking if it's yes. beneficial to take the plus one armor save. Um, Correct. Yeah. Because in exchange for that plus up one armor save, what you're going to be losing is your guardian spear. And what's that do? The guardian spear has a 24 inch range. I think it's a minus two. It's at least a minus one, but it's two damage. And what you have in exchange for that is a sword who is, is pretty much just a bolter. The sword is pretty much a pistol bolter. Um, and it's do- it's going to do the same damage in close combat. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been wrestling with, understanding giving up that range shooting for my custodian guard in exchange for that, only negating the minus one. 
I think it really depends on what role that unit plays in your army, right? Um, I'm not too familiar with custodies. So custodian guard is what? It's a three model unit. It's a minimum. No, it's a, it's a minimum three model unit. Okay. It can go up to 10. These are like the terminators, right? No, no, that's the regular line. That's the regular line troops. Uh, They're like a, are they a two up five up normally two up four up two up four or two up four. Okay. Pretty much Um, everything in the army is a two, four, not pretty much every, Every person in the army, you might get a little different with the, uh, like the dreadnoughts, but everything is walking around with a two, four. Yeah. I mean, I think like, so the question is like, I'd look at your army composition. I'd look at how, you know, obviously it's nice to have things that are a little bit more durable because now they're protecting your characters, like your infantry are protecting your characters. So not only is that durability protecting that unit, but it's potentially protecting another unit in the long run. Uh, the other thing is like, you know, you have to look at your offensive power in your current list. Like, do you feel like you have enough, uh, you know, killing power to forego the spear? Um, like, or do you feel like when you play your games that you need, it would be nice to have that little extra punch. So here's the deal. So the, the spear, and the sword do the exact same thing in close combat. But the difference is, I'm pretty sure that's right. The spear, the spear might be plus one, but I, I think it's it's the same thing. But the spear at range can kill Primaris. Yeah, I think that's useful. Yeah. I would I would consider something like that. I mean, a three-up save isn't bad either. And I'm not sure how terrain works now, but I think there's you get some sort of cover save from stuff that uh so I, I, I have to say, in my games, I have played a lot with the terrain. I have some mm-hmm. suggestions for people as you learn the game as the system. I am familiar with the terrain, and I keep the book open. I think it would be useful. I have these, um, they're almost like uh, a five by, uh, what's that, a five by seven card? Is that, no, a three by five card. card. Yeah. yeah, cut into four pieces. And on those four pieces, if you write, you can write breachable, all of the, it's not really useful to write ruin, but you can, but you need to know all of the traits for the ruin. And that can help you as you go through the terrain. Where I keep getting caught at is if you're on the other side of the terrain, you know, you can't be seen. But once you touch the terrain, you can be seen through the terrain. And I keep getting shot up. Cause I'm, because you know you want to tuck into the terrain, but you know, hey, guess what? Now we can see you. Pew 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 pew. Isn't that a uh, war machine style uh, terrain rule? That I think uh, someone had mentioned that. That was like before ninth had come out. We had, uh, I think, one of the guys, Jake, that um, helps organize our tournaments for that big set that Sasha made. You know, the purple set. Mm-hmm. The uh, it's like the whatever it is, a, like alien landscape. Alien landscape, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, that was one of the rules we had applied on his recommendation to those pieces because, you know, it was kind of hard to use them with the the eighth edition terrain rules. So that was something he had applied, having based it on War Machine terrain rules. So it's kind of funny that uh, GW went in that direction. Although it's a good change, I like it. Yeah. 
All right, Tim, tell us about your game. So I played. I've been playing. Uh, I played two Crusade games, Ooh. and loved it. So I. Th- so I think it was the smallest size. The first one I think was the smallest size game, just to get our feet wet. It was like forty by thirty-three. Does that sound right for the small size? Um, my, uh, you know, my, my. I think it's fifteen inch increments of width, right? Because it matches the kill team. You are correct. My math just isn't good. So it's like. 30 by 15, I think. And then you just add like another one of those boards next to it. So it'd be like six, it'd be like uh, 30 by, th- or I forget what the length is, but it's definitely 15 inches width. So it was, it was fast and bloody and brutal. It was, um, um, I was playing my um, Grey Knights, which was not a great start to ninth edition rules for me. I didn't. Th- I thought it would go better, but it, it did not. Unfortunately, it was a uh, Grey Knights versus Raven Guard. Um, it was uh, it was a rocky start. My dice rolling was just absolutely horrible. Like I was just ones the whole afternoon, which was a bummer. Um, but in terms of the pace of the game, I really enjoyed it. I loved not having Overwatch rolled just like out of hand. I think that did speed up the play mm-hmm. a great deal, which I think is excellent. I think there's less, there's like a little bit less dice rolling in ninth edition, which I'm all about because it does feel like the turns are moving a little bit quicker so far, knock on wood that stays that way. But I felt like we were able to get through, you know, the entire game relatively quickly, which was great. Um, first turn interactions were really strong given the table size and the deployment. I forget which exactly the deployment uh, zones we had, but we were in each other's faces turn one. Close combat was was quick and brutal. Um, I, I just, I really liked close combat. Turn one was excellent. Really liked the fact that there was very little overwatching getting done. I was just kind of flustered learning the rules, so I made the mistake of not playing all the stratagems that I should have. I wound up with a bunch of command points at the end of the game. I just couldn't focus on kind of the the stratagem game and the, the basic rule set at the same time. So I, I messed that part up. Um, but I do, I think Crusade is going to be how I play a lot of games in ninth edition. I think the fact that you can have a Crusade army that's Potentially, you know, you could permadeath some of your crusade characters, which I think is pretty amazing. You can play somebody in a game of crusade that has never played a game of crusade before, and they get buffs for their army based on how strong your army is to kind of help even it out just a little bit. Um, And, you know, the the richness of the narrative you can build around all those characters and those units and those vehicles and, and whatever is just... I think it's tremendous, and I think the rules are clear and easy to read. They're easy to get and easy to lay out and easy to have fun with, and I thought it was awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed that Crusade game, and I could see myself doing that a lot more. That really seemed like a solid system when I read about it. Really interesting for a narrative standpoint, and I think that's the direction I think I'm going to go in ninth rather than competitive play. I think that has so much uh, room to build on as a narrative player yeah, it is it is the best like role-playing it's the bl- best blend of role-playing and tabletop wargaming that i've encountered in as much as there's no story per se but in terms of the character building and your own internal narrative about your army i think it's really really well executed so tim hold on tim was both of your games and um with gray knights yeah yeah. Okay. So, in addition to that, you know, part of my hobby progress, uh, you know, in, in addition to putting uh, insulation in the attic, um, I did uh, build and <laughs> I build and built and primed, uh, you know, the um, uh, 
Uh, I painted the Blackstone Fortress stuff, as I mentioned earlier, but as I mentioned last episode, way back in the day, um, I am fully committed to an Iron Hands uh, Primaris army. So I picked up an Impulsor, a Repulsor, and uh, one of the um, Redemptor Dreadnoughts and an Apothecary, because I'm, I'm going to be really into having an Apothecary in my Iron Hands Crusade army. I picture him playing a very significant role in my own story about that army. Um, so yeah, so, so that, that was just some other stuff. Yeah, but but I think Greyhands were a tough start because they don't get any of the cool Primaris. Obviously, like, you know, they don't get any of the cool Primaris stuff just yet. You know, Greyhands. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I like that. Grey Knights was a, there was a tough. It was a tough first game. I you know enjoyed the hell out of it because I know how the Grey Knights kind of worked in Eighth Edition, and if I had rolled better, I think I would have you know I I could have come out on top in that game. But it was a, uh, and that was games. But it was rough. Yeah. It was rough. It feels weird playing a game that you knew everything about a few months ago and know nothing about now, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's, been, that's been one of my frustrations with Ninth Edition coming out in the middle of a pandemic, right? Is that I feel like, okay, we get the, the new rule book, you read the new rule book, awesome. But then, like, like relentlessly since Ninth Edition came out, there have been updates and facts and more books to add into the milieu of Ninth Edition that without playing through this stuff, like I just don't have the mental capacity to understand to connect all the, you know, the psychic dots between like right, Ninth yeah. Edition. You'd think it would be easier having the time to review the if, documents. If I don't play but, it, I'm not, if yeah, I'm not playing not it, I don't internalize that. it yet, right? So I still feel like I'm learning <laughs> right. the basic rule book. I don't have, I can't even bother with the facts yet. I can't even bother with the the little, the, what's the box set that came with the Terminators and all this stuff? Like I can't, I just don't have the space for it. You know, the, the, the psychic space. And there's no like passion. There's like no passion for it either. Like unless you're there, you're able to get like, you know, boots on the ground on the table, you know, hand, dice the table. Like I, it's hard for me to maintain focus on, on the, the, you know, and the universe of 40 K right without that. Yeah. So yeah. I still, I still feel like for me in my gaming, like ninth edition has yet to really start. I remember fondly when eighth edition came out, it was like a ton of games, like right when it first dropped, I feel like it was a good smooth transition from seventh edition. The rules were easier, you know, everything that happened, all those changes were so good for the game, but I got in. We had that build party. Yeah, there was, there was like the day exactly, it dropped. Yeah. yeah. So there was so much excitement in our little community here in Philly about it. And there were so many games played like right off the jump that I felt like it was a good splash in the pool. Whereas I feel like ninth edition for me so far has been like, oh, there's that beautiful pool over there. I think I'll dip my toe in and then like walk back over to the car and then I'll go back and maybe put my foot in and then I'll, you know, there's no been no like, hooray, what's here? Let's do some games, you know, because of the pandemic. I think uh, the one thing we neglected to talk about so far is like where the heck is the army builder GW? Oh my goodness. Where's my oh, army my builder? <laughs> so I'm, I'm holding up my phone to the webcam now and you gentlemen will see that in my games folder, it ain't there. <laughs> I have two things in my games <laughs> folder. I have AOS Champions, the card game for uh, for mobile devices, and I have Battlescribe. Because on my Sony XA2 with the latest version of Android, that damn Warhammer 40k app gets to the start screen. And I have started the account online. I've gotten the confirmation emails. Like, I have an account. But this damn phone... So stops at that yeah, loading screen. Tim, I'm, like, I'm going to tell you, I'm lucky enough to have I'm pretending I'm frozen right now. I have I'm lucky enough to have both an iPad and an Android phone. I have the same problem with my Android phone. Is that right? But I do have it on my iPad. And it works fine with the iOS device. Yeah. 
It does, but I want to just make sure that you are comfortable with the fact that you're not missing much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're not missing much. You're okay. So, like Four, Battle okay. Scribe, like right out the right out of the jump. Like Battle Scribe was like ready, right. all the books were updated. I was like, okay, I built my little Grey Knights army yeah. in like ten seconds. It was perfect. You're not missing anything. Nothing news happened. Nothing's over here. <sighs> Yo, so like, let me talk you, about go ahead. How do you Carol. announce something like that and not deliver it? Within six months, like it's it's are the, it are was the like April, right? Like, it, can you get the yeah, yeah. Codex yes, yes, you can. I, when I bought the um, you can, the Necron right. Codex, I was able to put the code in and it came in. And given that that all piece right. of information I just gave you, I want to reiterate you're not missing much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not missing much. you're good, you're good. Yo, it is actually, I did use it for that game I played, and it is nice to be able to very quickly find rules, like, it's way better than the way that like iBooks or like PDF books worked in, in games before. You know what I mean? Because it was a pain in the ass to to search through your uh, digital book to find rules during a uh, game sometimes. And on this, you could very quickly find whatever like stratagem or psychic power or whatever you want to use. Um, I could the only that. problem I had with it was that I remember something like the like when i went to go search if i if you searched for space wolves it would only show the primaris stuff it like wouldn't show any of the stuff in the actual eighth mm. edition codex so yeah so mm. the i think the functionality on this thing's like still obviously a little screwed up but we'll see this is what happens mm -hmm. when you're not an app development company and you dabble you you, you know you you get outside your lane and there are unfulfilled promises. And we talked about it last episode. Same thing happens with that Black Library audio app, right? Uh, you know, I've been painting my Blackstone Fortress guys, listening to the Indomitus uh, book, which is a great book. We, I don't know if we talked about that last episode, but the Indomitus book in terms of building Necron characters, the amount of time it spends with the Necrons and fleshing out like all of the intricacies and the, the drama that happens behind the scenes between Necrons is- Okay, awesome. I'll get that. I'll get it. I'll get it. Okay. It's so worth reading, Lavelle. It's so worth reading. But every time you get a text message, playback stops. It starts and it doesn't all the way at the beginning, the doesn't it? For the yeah, <laughs> and, and, it, and it doesn't resume automatically. Like it's the worst. I noticed, it like when worst. I had the Black Library app, it would like. I think if you close the app out, sometimes it would start the book back all the way at the beginning, and you had to physically yeah. find. But I, I use Audible. App. I use Audible. I need to get and Audible. All the Black Library is on Audible. I need to get on. But that, again, yeah. that goes back to their trash at making apps stick to the right. story writing. Hire a yeah. third-party company to make your apps, and if they are, if they have been doing that, fire that company and hire a different one because they're doing it <laughs> not well. It must be so interesting. Like you think of, I don't know how the economics of any of this works, right? So I'm just spitballing here. I did, I did not go to school for anything close to anything with with money associated with it. You have to wonder, right, why doesn't GW, which is, you know, like a trillion dollars in cash kind of company, right? It's a huge, it's a cash machine, right? The fact that they just can't throw a bag of money at the guy who makes Battlescribe, like, how good is he doing? Where he's like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> why aren't they doing that? You know what I mean? Like, I think, I, like, like, I pay $3 a month for Battlescribe, but are there a million other people paying $3 a month for Battlescribe? I don't think so. I think the problem with Battlescribe is that the app is maintained by that developer 
but the repositories are maintained by volunteers. So it would, right, but if you take the app and just let GW make the repositories yeah. and just rebrand the whole thing, it would be like butter. Oh yeah. I don't but know. Maybe that guy's not. Maybe he know. was contacted and he just said, "Nah, I'm good. I don't want." Because <laughs> he's getting like, three dollars from he's, a he's million not... people. He's getting three dollars yeah. from a million <laughs> maybe, people, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I'm good with this." Yeah, they were probably like, "Maybe it's a cash yeah. <laughs> It's. It might be a cash I'm sure it's. <laughs> I'm sure he makes good money off of it because it's like what? It's five dollars a year, right, or something like that. No, it's twenty four dollars so, a year. It's twenty four yeah. a year now. Yeah. Battlescribe. Oh wow. Okay. Pro. Oh, it's two a month or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's pretty <laughs> for weird, the amount a... of people that use it. Like, let's say like 15,000 people are playing Warhammer using the app. I guarantee you probably like at least a third of them are paying for it. Right. True. I yeah. don't know. I can't guarantee that, but I would guess that. So, yeah, it's a good amount of money. So I played nine games, three with Custodes, six with uh, AdMac. And you didn't um, play any Necron? No, no, yes. no. They, they're they're waiting to awaken in the tomb. It's not time. It is not their hey, time. Hey, if you yet. wait long enough, they will actually be in the tomb. Come on, son. It'll happen. <laughs> It'll happen. So in the games, um, the big... So Lavelle, Lavelle, first of all, before you get into the details, how did you pull off those games in the pandemic? Were you outside? Were you in a big indoor so space? How did it work? I played three games outside um, with a couple of the guys from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, they call themselves. We played, we had uh, three games outside and there was only five, six of us there. And we were all taped. It was, I don't even know how they arranged the space, but we were all outside. The other games I played, I played at Palladium. And in general, I played a game with Jordan. I played a game with Colin. I played somebody else I can't remember. We were the only ones in the store. We were were the only one. When I was playing Colin, I think there were maybe two other people in the back in the back end of the store uh, and i played we've had a couple of get-togethers and it's nicely spaced at palladium up in um in, in phoenixville um on tuesday nights so he, here's the thing that that i, I want to say so in order to get the game in order to really get the game there's a couple of things you got to go through first the first thing you have to go through is some of the new rules that make a difference overwatch is a big one um, the other big one is what you can re-roll. That's not the, it's, you can't spend a command point and re-roll any dice. And that is something you, you have to be used to. Um, the other thing that's some of the newer stratagems, they're the same stratagems, just slightly reworded. You got to be aware of that. So it's going to take you a couple of games to get through that. And then you're going to struggle with the terrain rules. And that's why I recommend the little labels so you can remember it and keep the book open on the terrain piece and kind of work your way through the terrain piece. And then, and this is the part that I'm stuck on now, picking the right secondaries. So picking the right secondary. So once you get through all three of those things, you can get into the habit of starting to win the game. So give yourself some time to lose those, to learn those things and figure out what's what. I do think that the, the 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 size board has a big difference, and people won't really kind of account for that. Um, I played a game against somebody with a bane blade, and on turn two, my two, uh, you know, I had the uh, the Forge World Hellburn Knights. I can't remember what they're Moraxes. On turn two, they crushed the bane blade, and I think oh. we caught him. Yeah, he, we caught him by surprise. <laughs> it was the siege claw the way it worked, and two. 
that I would be able to get there. So my first turn, I advanced, yeah. flamed some people, and waited. And the next turn, he he prioritized my Honor Jadoon Caller, which is not a bad move, but he couldn't get through. And so he did a lot of damage, but I was repairing it. And on the second turn, you know, Bane Blade's still 500 points of a 2,000-point army. So 25% of your army is gone. Um, and just so you know, I lost that game. So, <laughs> and I want to tell you, I lost that game because I knew the Bane Blade had to go. That bring it down was my big thing. And that, that got, or it's whatever one for that one, that got me a huge chunk of points. But he continued to work the secondaries. So that was really, really good. So, um, but I, that, I, I am enjoying the game. I don't know why, but it feels like there is less dice rolling. And therefore, yep. there's less, there's still that randomness, but it feels like it's a little less random. And it also mm -hmm. feels like if you come to the table with an army that can totally crush my army and wipe me off the table, that does not mean you're going to win. Right. Yeah, it, it, I think just think the new edition opens up a lot more possibilities. And I, I have this like crazy feeling that, <laughs> crazy feeling, you know, like, uh, Robin and all of them are gathered around the table like, okay, what are we going to do to make ninth edition more aggressive and punchier and more fun to play? And there's like an intern like in the corner who says, why don't we just make the table smaller? Sh <laughs> like, shut up. Shut idea. up. <laughs> shut up, Frank. <laughs> hey, <laughs> shut up, Frank. All right. So I got this idea. Like, like, why don't we just make the table? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great idea. Because it's <laughs> because it's such, because it's such a simple thing to do to make the game feel completely different. Right, it's almost like the cop-out change to how 40k has been understood. Right, just make it tighter, you know. And it oh, all of a sudden, toy. oh, damn. <laughs> this is toy 40k. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, the one rule that goes along with that—that's really ingenious. It's a small thing, but when you think about it, they made the table smaller, and they let the flyers fly off. They, let they can the fly off and stay off for all I care. <laughs> but you know what? They can and fly back on. Somebody told me, and yeah. I'm not 100% sure about when a flyer comes back on, it doesn't have to come on from the table edge. It can come on like a deep striker. I have to. Oh, that's I, pretty cool. Right. I, I don't, I, that's not verified yet. Somebody was telling me, I was thinking, I didn't know that because I'm playing with the two, the two new um, admech flyers, mm -hmm. you know, with the bat wings. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And almost everybody with any sense, as soon as they get on the table, they say, I'm prioritizing those flyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the new flyer rules are huge, and the new um, bringing and reinforcements—the way that flows throughout the turns—is just—it just makes it makes it really good, really, really. Yeah, good. that is a really great change. Like, it yeah. makes like it makes it possible to come back in the game. I think because yes. I think the problem we had before is like, you know, there wasn't really a way to surprise your opponent. You know, they're a mm. deep strike. You could screen it out very easily. Um, I mean, and you could still kind of screen this out, but it requires your opponent to dedicate resources to do so. And now that everything yes. costs more, it's harder to get those screens into your list um, in an effective way. So, yeah. Yeah, I because the way reinforcement works, and it's not by accident. You know, this is how it's designed to happen. I did feel like there was a, like a very strong, like a beginning game. There was a middle game, and then there was an end game in like the last two turns, right? And I was, you know, my middle game I thought was going to be really strong because I had all this great stuff coming in, but it just it wasn't enough to turn the tides in my case. But it was a, uh, it did make my thinking about how the game was going to go very different, and I enjoyed it. Are you um, satisfied with? the fact that they kept it 
you know, I do all my stuff, you do all your stuff, or were you hoping with uh, alternate activation? I do like games with alternating activations, but I think the decreased table size makes up for it in my book, and the and the and the reinforcements makes up for it. It feels faster. It feels more involved turn to turn. So I'm okay with. I it think alternating far. activations with the other rules would have been too much of a, a switch for 40k. I think we would have lost um, everybody's ability to plan things out. Just that one alteration where if it's not your turn, your close combat units go first is a really big deal. Yeah, because you know it, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for hopping on the line with me tonight. This has been a great hour. It is nice to see both of you virtually again in the same Zoom chat room here. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we are going to do the best we can, uh, despite all the changing circumstances around our lives, to uh, bring you more content more frequently. But we hope you and yours are safe and well and enduring the world situation as it unfolds before us. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you real soon. For Cruise Shaken, I have been Tim. I'm Lavelle. And I'm Carlo. Thanks for listening. Thank you.